Welcome to the Project Zion podcast. This podcast explores the unique spiritual and theological gifts Community of Christ offers for today's world. Hello, and welcome to the Project Zion podcast. I'm your host, Carla Long, and I'm excited to be bringing you a new podcast from our new series, What's Brewing?, where we talk about mission that is happening around the church. Today's guest is really special to me. I've known him for, ugh, I'm so sorry to do this to you, Ben, about 16 years from when I volunteered for a year in Australia. So Ben, I just let everyone know you are no spring chicken. (laughs) So sorry about that. You're almost as old (laughs) as me. You're not quite as old as me. But Ben, Mission Center President of Australia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure, Carla. Good to be with you. And uh, Ben is currently on the road, not driving, of course, but currently on the road from Sydney back to Melbourne. So that's kind of exciting. Like you're, you're a guy on the move, right? That's right. I, uh, I live in my car these days. Oh, it's, well, that sounds not as exciting as... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm in a little town called Yass right now. Uh, you can all get up your, your Google Maps. Actually, I was, I was reflecting earlier, Carla. Would you remember a word called an atlas? This I would pre, remember this word. Yeah, you, you being no spring chicken yourself, uh, you remember <laughs> pre-Google Maps, we used to call these things called atlases and a map. I used to love looking at my dad's atlas. I used to, I love ma- maps. I totally love them. So I understand. <laughs> I'm with you. We're on Back a tangent. With- this is going to be a long episode. I know. Okay. So Ben, tell us about yourself. Introduce yourself. What do you do? Tell us about your family. Tell us whatever you want to tell us. Yeah, sure. So, uh, well, I'm Ben Smith. I live in Victoria. I live in a little spot called the Mornington Peninsula. And uh, myself and my wife live down there and we just have a brilliant time. Um, I've worked for the church now for uh, 10 years, just about. And um, I've been in this role, Mission Centre President, for the last 12 months, basically. And um, yeah, so we, uh, my wife, is um, she runs a small shop that we that we have we have two stores called the artisan store and a bit of a plug there and uh we yeah we sell homewares and art and furniture which i make and so yes that's a good life that we have down there um so yeah i guess that's that's a good place to start what did you do for the nine years before you were mission center president for the church uh i worked in as a congregational support minister for five years in perth uh, on the west coast of australia where I helped the congregation there um, essentially grow and, and live out its mission there. And uh, then I moved back to Melbourne and spent another four or so years uh, helping the Victorian church. Uh, we have about four congregations in Victoria at that point. And um, we, yeah, just helping them engage in mission as well. And I and, uh, was also the assistant to the, the then Mission Centre President, Ken Barrows, and uh, served under him for a while. And then, um, yeah, for the past 12 months or so in this role, so. Awesome. And gentle listener, I just want you to realize if you're an American, listen to how Ben says the word Melbourne. It's spelled M-E-L-B-O-U-R-N-E, but it's not pronounced Melbourne. It drives me crazy. It's not. It's Melbourne. Yes, correct. So hopefully all of the listeners will now be able to say it correctly. Uh, So Ben, you're Mission Center President now. How did you get there? Like what called you into that job? Uh, It was the last job that I wanted. Um, I'd, uh, I'd, I'll, I'll take you back a step further. When I was um, a teenager, I kind of was this um, person who wanted to be successful in life and to climb the corporate ladder and, 
and decided that that if I ever worked for the church, that I'd want to be the mission center president because obviously that's the you know that's the be all and end all. And so I, I had that goal young in life, and then I met a couple of mission center presidents and realized no, that would is not the job that I want, and uh, I would never do that in my life. And I spent a good deal of time uh, pushing back a sense of call. Um, <clears throat> to lead the church here and and um i basically got to the point in my life where when i was in melbourne and and sort of doing the day-to-day church stuff and really enjoying that ministry but had this sort of um sense that i i was called to do something more and to to have a different kind of role in the church and um it was actually my wife, Lana, who isn't a church member um, and doesn't really attend all that much, who noticed that in me, that I was sort of pushing something aside and said to me, look, you need to take a couple of days to really get it together and and sort of explore who you really are And because I wasn't really all that happy uh, and joyful. And um, I did that. I did just that. I, I did what every good man should do, listen to his wife all at all times. And I went away and just kind of reflected upon what it was my role in the world was and uh, how might I apply that in the church. And, and I really got this sense of confirmation that, um, that leadership was one of the things that I needed to be doing and, and that I couldn't sit back and watch um, anymore. And, and I needed to really take hold of how do we reinterpret what it is our mission is for the world and how can I help to transform the church of old into the church of the future? And really that's, um, that's been essentially what I've been trying to do um, uh, these last 12 months. Oh, that's awesome. I, I, I want you to know, Ben, I was making fun of you earlier saying you weren't a spring chicken, but you're in your thirties, right? You're yeah, I'm 33. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I think it's really exciting that you have the respect of the people and that you have these, this incredible energy and the, the drive and the calling to do what you're going to do. So I, I'm just really excited about Australia and where, you, where the church is heading in Australia. So Yeah, it's an exciting time. <laughs> yeah. So um, I've, I've heard you speak about this before, but I would like for you to tell our listeners, what do you feel is your specific calling either within the mission center president role or just as a minister of the church? Yeah, I guess most succinctly, um, more recently, I've determined that my role is to help the church be real about itself. Um, That is that we question ourselves, we be critical of ourselves, but then we, we really understand who we are and to then live that out most fully in the community. And for me, that means challenging our leaders, including myself. I'm calling on the, the people to challenge me and, and also to, to just to make sure that we're being real about it and um, not to get too full of ourselves and not to get too sort of ostentatious about who we are, uh, but really get to the nuts and the bolts and say, you know what, if, if we are this people who are called to be Christ's mission in the world, what does that look like and how do we do it? It's not just a case of getting together on a Sunday and singing some songs. Uh, it's a case of being the hands and the feet and, and to really engage uh, the world and change the world for the better um, t- in that sense. So really for me, if I was to wrap it up in a couple of words, it would be to keep it real. That to, to help the church keep it real. I mean, I, I really appreciate that, those ideas. I, I work in Salt Lake City. A lot of people know I work in Salt Lake City and in, in a church that's around 
down here, it is impossible to be critical of the leaders. Like it is something that you just do not do. And I keep wondering, how do you grow if you don't think critically about where you are and what you're doing? There's really no chance for you to grow at all. No, that's right. And when you think about Jesus' mission, he was his whole life um, that we know of questioning the leaders of the church. It, It was all about asking questions of his faith, of his culture, and saying, is that really how we should be applying that scripture or is there another way? And really, for me, we just need to continue that that tradition and that culture. It's nothing new. Uh, it's been around for a long time, but we've kind of gotten a little precious, I think, about how we approach that and how we approach our tradition. We put it in this glass container uh, rather than having it open for all to have a shot at and just to make sure that we're really um, you know, being real. Absolutely. And not being critical for critical sake, but being criti- thinking critically about like, who are we called to serve? Why are we called to serve them? And who is this man, Jesus, that we're following? So I just love that one of your main um, goals is to think critically about, about what we're doing here, and which is, you're right, which is something we definitely have to do in order to change and be a little bit different. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just saw on Facebook that Australia, uh, the Australian Mission Center has released a new strategic plan. So just overall, do you want to give us just an overall uh, glimpse at that? Like, what is that all about? And and if we want to look at it, where can we look at it at? Yeah, sure. So uh, first, if you want to look at it, just head to our website, seaofchrist.com.au. And it's um, in the news section there. And essentially... Um, the from in my tradition in in my experience it's if you don't have a plan um you're just going to kind of flounder about you're not going to succeed um in you can get really easily distracted unless you're focused um and so this isn't to say this is all we're going to do in in the life of the church but it's really to say okay what are what are the main things we we're going to help achieve in the community over the next five years so it is a five-year plan starting right now um we launched it on friday so essentially it's it's in action um and essentially what we are have done is spent the last 12 months really listening and understanding in this process of discernment and dialogue and and drafting and redrafting and redrafting um some points about how we are to live out the church in Australia and how then are we able to make the most impact with our purpose into the future. We have, a, um, I guess, an issue in Australia and it's probably reflected all around the world is that we have a church who are getting older, uh, where congregations are closing and uh, we have less participation than we have had in the past due to those numbers. Um, and so we needed to understand firstly what, is making that happen. But secondly, how can we stop that trend and reverse it to help grow the church? Um, and so I'm not a person who uh, is a great lover of the, um, the old school missionary kind of concept. Um, I think our role in society is not necessarily to increase the size of our club, but to increase the size of our impact. And there's a, there's a bit of a distinction there. Um, and so this plan really has four separate areas um, in which are encapsulated in it. And what we're trying to do there is to kind of identify areas in, in our ministry that um, that are a little bit separate but work together at the same time. So uh, as you'll see in the plan, there is essentially four areas of growth, depth, sustainability and um, mission. I'm already forgetting it. Um, 
that basically those areas were developed uh, out of a, out of essentially looking at all of the responsibilities of the church and saying, okay, how can we wrap that up into four specific areas or three or five? Or We, we didn't have a predetermined number. Um, and it was all the things that we were talking about that were important tended to fit into those four areas. Um, so they don't go in any order, although they are in some sort of order. Um, there's no specific one to five or 10 to 20. It's, it's just, they're just there. They've got numbers so that they're easy to refer to. Um, essentially what we've said and the reason why depth is first on the, on the plan is that, uh, we feel like until you know why you're a part of this movement and why you want to be involved in any sort of mission, um, you need to understand the answer to that question. Why? And so depth is about us exploring, um, our theology, our, our discipleship. What are, what are those things? How can we strengthen those things? Um, and how can we get together and learn from each other? Essentially, that's what depth is about and help us then from that, from hopefully from the answer to that question, um, we can then pursue mission in, in a very, um, in varied ways. So from depth, we move to, um, growth in, in growth. It's not just about numbers. It's about participation. Um, it's about living with the question. And it's about us exploring ways in which we can connect with each other to grow in our sense of discipleship, but also grow the numbers of the church to increase the numbers of our camps and events and congregational life and those sorts of things. Um, because when we when we ask the question to the church, what does growth look like to you? Um, for the most part, people say, well, growth means more. It means more of things. It means more people. It means more money. It means more um, programs, more camps, more people at those camps. Um, and so for us to understand that in the context of, of how we grow the church, um, we needed to kind of challenge that concept a little bit because it's not all about numbers. We, we hear that in the Doctrine and Covenants time and time again that, you know, don't, don't, don't worry about the numbers. That's not the point. The point is impact. Um, and so we tried to structure some things in that plan to um, to suggest that we needed to grow in, in ourselves and in our discipleship as well as um, bums on seats, so to speak. And then we kind of go through to mission, which is all about the, this is, I guess, where my passion is. Um, and, and it's, in a sense, this is about the doing part. This is about how do we change the world in everyone's, uh, in every place that we have expression of the church to say, we need to free people of oppression. We need to um, help feed the hungry. We need to put clothes on the naked and, and, and really establish ourselves as a people of peace and justice. Uh, and that means being outspoken. That means being active in the community. And, um, uh, yeah, so that's, that's really, I think you get the point about what mission is all about there. And then sustainability is the final point, and that sort of talks to the point where we've learnt some lessons over the years about how to exhaust ourselves and how to uh, prevent that happening again, uh, both financially and, and spiritually, but also um, our human resources. So we're looking at ways there in which we can uh, generate new revenue sources for the church, not just rely on tithing. Uh, in Australia, we're blessed with some um, people over the years who have built up significant investments uh, for the church by the sale of property and, and other things. And um, uh, so we, tr- we are actually operate quite sustainably as a mission centre um, 
And what we're looking to do is grow that that diversity to make sure that into the future, if investments fall or or donations decrease, uh, we can find other ways to help support the mission of the church into the future. But also in terms of sustainability, look to our impact on the earth um, to say, look, we we are, are a part of the world in which we live in and we're not going to deny the fact that we are causing irreparable damage and so we're looking to as a church become 100% carbon neutral in Australia in the whole of the life of the church um, starting with the missions in our office being sustainable as well so I guess that's in in a very short period of time the the snapshot of of that plan and and so essentially where to from now is that um after this uh, launch this weekend, we'll basically do a, a nationwide rollout of doing workshops in local areas and congregations to help people understand um, and and I get guess get a grasp on on what um, how this will impact local areas and and individuals, and then also uh, we'll look to um, do annual reports and and um, evaluation and those sorts of things to help establish uh, how we're tracking uh, with this plan. So I guess that's yeah, really quickly <laughs> what it's about. Well, that sounds amazing. I, I, I was making some notes as you were talking. I really like mm. your idea and and your your words about you know we don't want to increase the club and uh, we want to increase the impact and that is just uh, that just makes so much sense. That uh, actually. I'm just going to give you a little. I'm going to tell you a little bit of something. Uh, we've yeah. learned out here in Salt Lake that you know, like if you don't have people make a connection with people like through classes or in the congregation or, or through coffee talks or whatever, then you'll just never see them again. You may never see them again. You know, like they're just gone. It is that connection. And I saw in your purpose statement, the purpose of community of Christ in Australia is to engage people in connection with each other and with God through the message of Jesus Christ. And once you establish that connection and you become friends in a relationship, I mean, everything changes. I just really appreciate um, increasing the size of that impact rather than the club. It's not important yeah, I mean, if they join, it's important they find a spiritual home. Go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think when we reflect on what the church has done over the past 2000 years is that it has kind of become what it was protesting against um, in that it was uh, when Jesus was around and teaching, he, he wasn't about saying, let's start this new movement. He was saying, we need to reform the existing culture of our lives in order to realign ourselves with God. And I think that's a really important point for us to remember that um, I kind of think in the back of my mind that Jesus would probably be a little horrified that he has a church named after him and um, that he was essentially looking for a breaking down of barriers rather than, than building more of these institutions that compete against one another for um, members and those sorts of things. It's really about us understanding what the real intent of Jesus' message was when he was alive and and what he taught, and then understanding how the Spirit worked after the resurrection to say, you know, this is about changing lives. It's not about developing more institutions that have power, that have structure, that have um, that have moralistic um, uh, viewpoints that really aren't in alignment with. The, the Spirit's message. And um, for us, it's about realigning ourselves with that message. Oh, for sure. Like people are so, so surprised when we say 
it's okay if you don't want to join us. It is totally okay. We just want you to find a place where you belong, where you feel welcomed, where you understand, where you try and understand who God is and whatever you would need, whatever you need. And so people are just shocked. They're like, wait a second, you don't want us to join you. It's like, it's not that we don't want you to join us. It's what (laughs) we want you to find a place where you belong. And if it's with us, awesome. So that is, that is, um, well, I don't know how everyone will love hearing what you're saying right now, but I think it's really inspiring. (laughs) (laughs) So it looked like um, from your strategic plan that section 164, specifically verse nine uh, was part of your inspiration. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. And uh, I, you're exactly right. It's this, this particular passage is, um, is pretty important to us in that it really boils it down for me. Um, it, it's, you know, it talks about how we've been on this adventure that has been led by the Spirit. Um, and along the way, somewhere we've developed this fear of being ourselves. And, you know, I'm reading into this and putting my interpretation on it. But um, when, when we think about how much impact we can have by living out our principles rather than defending them, um, I really feel like when we overcome that sense of fear, we may in fact um, experience what it is to be living in the kingdom. And um, I, I sense that it's that quote from Marianne Williamson, which says something along the lines of our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. It's that we are powerful beyond measure. And I really feel like this particular passage in um, Doctrine and Covenants 164 that calls us to really understand what it is our what is our capacity and and when we fully understand that and, and when we aren't afraid of that anymore that's when we can have the most true impact and um, I really feel like that's that's what that calling is for us and it's so relevant to to every community that we're a part of really and you know what then what I have learned being in here at Salt Lake City and and working with people like face to face and over lunch and over tea and coffee is that. It is actually so incredibly fun. It yes. is so, so much fun to bring be the with- joy back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, there's a place for solidness and sacredness where we reflect upon our lives. And it is a serious business. You know, life is a serious business. But at the same time, gosh, like if we really just were to have fun all the time, when you look at the life of a child and, and we hear the, in the Gospels, you know, that, when we receive the kingdom like a child, then that's really what we're talking about. Um, children aren't serious much of the time. <laughs> and and so it's not just about being uh, fearless, but it's about being joyous and, and embracing all that we have in our life and, and really engaging with the world from with a smile on our face. And, and uh, for me, that's, it, it, you're exactly right. That's, it's, it's so much fun when we connect with each other on a level that is deep and vulnerable and understanding. And, and that's, yeah, it's incredible. And, and I think about, you know, your, what, what you said was your kind of favorite part of the plan that the, the mission part, like the doing part where, you know, you, try and get rid of oppression. It's about peace and justice. It's about working out in the community. It is, there is something about working out in the community where you walk away just feeling like a million bucks. It's like, this is what I have been called to do. This is what I love to do. And there's something about that that just brings people together in such a beautiful and strong way. I just, I love that that's part of what you're doing. Yeah. And the, and the great thing is it doesn't, all have to be about getting out in the trenches with um, people who 
perhaps are experiencing homelessness or um, with dependency concerns, it, it can be, you know, that, that mission element really is about us connecting people together. And, and so when we, we, when we talk to our neighbours, like our actual physical neighbours, um, we get this sense of community. When we talk to the lady at the checkout or the, or the guy at the service station, you know, we, we know that when we connect with each other on this sense of not just kind of glossing over things, but really that deep sense of I'm talking from my heart to your heart, that whole, um, that expression, it, it's so simple. And when we do that, it is a much more joyful experience to be part of the world. So, and it's not difficult and it doesn't have to be dangerous um, to be effective. And I think that's really a message that we're trying to achieve as well. Oh, for sure. I, I also noticed that part of your strategic plan, um, a, a, something that takes up you know, a large portion of it is the importance of the mission initiatives and the enduring principles. Yes. So how do you see those kind of interacting with your plan? Yeah, I think um, they're really a lens to look through. And from our perspective, if, if we, and we kind of put this ultimatum on ourselves, if we aren't living our principles fully, we don't deserve to be active as a church, as far as I'm concerned. If, if we aren't being actively showing people that they are worthy just because they are who they are, then we're not living out our discipleship. If we're not making responsible choices, you know, and we can go through the whole list and say, you know, really, this is who we are. And if we aren't being who we are, then what's the point? You know, what we're just a club where we could be any any group in the world. But to be community of Christ, in, we need to be living these these principles and initiatives out in, in the world and particularly in this, in our case, in Australia. Oh, for sure. And so I, I can also see the mission initiatives weaving in and throughout of your plan. Like you're very, the number one um, you, that you talked about, the depth, I, I hear as developed disciples to serve. Um, I, I, didn't, I don't know if you use that language necessarily on the depth, but if people don't know what they're inviting people to, then what's the point? So I totally understand that, you know, you want to go, you want to get there, go into that depth, figure it out. And uh, I think it was like Einstein. He's like, you should be able to explain things on a, in a grade school level, elementary school level. You have to be able to understand it that deeply in order to do it. So uh, yeah, I can hear develop disciples to serve in part of it. What other mission initiatives do you hear in part of your plan? Yeah, I guess for me, um, when we look to the mission part of things, that's really looking at those initiatives of abolish poverty and suffering and pursue peace on earth um, and experiencing Christ, uh, congregations in mission. Uh, I think you're exactly right. Develop disciples to serve sits in that first one really strongly. And invite people to Christ is, is kind of all the way through. When we talk about invite people to Christ, often we assume that that means invite people into baptism, um, which is an important part of the discipleship journey, but it's not the whole story. Um, it's, for me, it's, it's about inviting people into the life of Christ, which is to do these things that we've been talking about. Um, and so, yeah, they're, they're scattered. They're all the way through like little seeds. And so we're hoping that um, you know, they'll, they'll have an impact there as well. Oh, for sure. So you said you started this about a year ago and you also became Mission Center president about a year ago. Has the, was this like plan, was this kind of already marinating in your brain before you even became Mission Center president? 
Yeah, I was joking with you earlier before we started here that it's written on my heart, and I think it's it's probably true. You know, this the, all of this stuff really, um, it, and none of it's new, and none of it's sort of super innovative. Um, the the real thing is putting it all together in an expression that people have um, bought into and contributed to. The process, yeah, has taken about a year, and and essentially what we've done, if you picture like a little diaphragm or something, where we've Essentially, um, the, the Mission Centre leadership team, which is myself and my counsellors and Julie Crittenden, who's our Mission Centre financial officer and her counsellors, we, we call that the Mission Centre leadership team. And we essentially met initially to draw up a first draft and then from there it went out to a, a wider group of people um, for sort of contribution and a bit, bit of um, discernment. From there, feedback came in and we kind of massaged a little bit, deleted some stuff, added some stuff. And then from there, it kind of went out to step two, which was a wider group of people again, uh, including people like the Mission Centre Council here and other groups and teams. We've got a couple of different um, you know, earth stewardship teams and different bits and pieces across the Mission Centre. Um, and then it came back in from that feedback. We massaged it again. And step three went out even wider again to pastors and leaders and other significant people within the Mission Centre who have experience not only in strategic planning but living out these types of things in their life. And from that point, we, we drew it back in again. And that was kind of the final draft in which we tweaked one or two things. Um, and uh, you can see the results in, in where it is now. Well, that, that's really awesome. And I think it's really important that discernment process and knowing that, you know, stepping into something and not knowing what's going to come out of it, it makes you really vulnerable. And it's, it's a really difficult task. So I think it's pretty awesome that you've spent a year developing this and not just the leadership, right? This is, sounds no, like it's a, a, a grassroots thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think um, the feedback that we received from our um, previous plan, which went for about five years, was uh, was that there was a lot of things on there uh, and we really could whittle it down a little bit. And really nothing as much has changed. We've just kind of done it in a little bit of a different way. And um, I, I think people are really excited about um, how it's come together. It was important for us to to listen, not not just for this to be Ben's plan or the Mission Centre Leadership's plan. This is the whole church's plan. And uh, we can all find ourselves in here. And I think it's also important to remember that um, this is a plan. It's it's not a um, mandate. It's not a, a checklist that we must do everything on here. Otherwise, we've failed. You know, for, for my perspective, if we achieve half of these things in the next five years, although we'll be hoping to do them all, obviously, we will have changed the world uh, if we can do half of this stuff and um, for the better. And so that's really what we're hoping to do is to do as much as we can with the people that we have um, and help make an impact in in the world. Absolutely, and it gives some, and it gives people something to look to and look towards. Like, you know, why do I go to church every Sunday? Well, yeah. one of the reasons you might go to church every Sunday is to teach Sunday school, so we can develop this depth, so we can, you know, t- be able to speak more clearly to people about who we are and who Christ is. Maybe that's why you teach Sunday school. Well, why do I do this? Well, maybe you do this for because of this. So it really gives people something to look toward and say, okay, you know what? I can, I can do this. I can handle yeah. this, which is Absolutely. exciting. And, and it also does um, the other side of that, which says, okay, we've been doing this, whatever it is, say vacation school program for 15 years. And it's, you know, it's, it's going, it's going fine, but we're getting really tired, but we need to keep going because such and such started it all those years ago. And they gave so many years of their time. Look, it's our experience when we look at a lot of our programs, um, 
through the eyes of a plan like this, we see areas where we spend a lot of energy um, either because we've always done it that way or because we stopping it will give us a sense of failure um, rather than looking at it and saying, can we make a bigger impact if we changed it or if we stopped it or if we did something else? And a lot of the time it might be that we keep that, that said program going. Um, but I think it's really important to ask ourselves the question, does what we're doing contribute to the purpose of the church um, overall as we see it today? And uh, if we just keep doing things mindlessly, it's not going to end well. Oh, we'll exhaust ourselves. Instead of bringing that joy and that energy that you and I were talking about a little while ago, it just, yeah. it brings depression and exhaustion and yep. you realize and you don't leave. want to do it at all. Yeah. Yeah. People leave and, and we burn ourselves out and then we feel like we've failed everyone. And, and that's not the case at all. It's about us saying, okay, we can do this a little bit better now. Uh, we don't ride horses and carts anymore, not because they were the wrong type of transport, but because we can do it better now. And often I hear the question, um, why don't we just go back to what we used to do? Because obviously that was growing the church back then. And I said, well, there wasn't any traffic around when there, are, when, when there were horses and carts. So maybe the answer to traffic is just to ban cars and go back to horses and carts. Well, we know that that's probably unwise. Um, so often it's about saying, what can we do into the future that's really relevant for us to make sure that we're making an impact with what we have? And I think that's a... I mean, that's a really good point. I think that's a, a problem across the church is that, well, why don't we do things the way I know how to do them? And because that was, that's comfortable and I, I can understand that. And that got results. And yeah. it, it's really hard to say, well, uh, just to say what you were just saying, it's really difficult because, you know, for them and for people who say that it, it really matters. And that's, that's what they know. So it, it does kind of sound like it's a little bit of a, uh, you have to change the way you're thinking about all of this stuff because yeah. there weren't no internet back when there were horses <laughs> and carts. Back when we were young, we, there was no internet. That's oh, how quickly gosh. things have moved. It's so back true. in my day. Yeah. It's so true. So the internet makes an enormous difference on how we communicate with people. Yeah, and I guess one one little thing on that is one question that we're really asking ourselves here is not so much how can we grow the church, but how do we meet as community? And I, I really feel like that's the question when we get an answer to or even a greater understanding of what the question is. Um, we'll know more how to react and respond as an organisation. And uh, I think in the past we've we've tend that. That, the answer to that question hasn't changed all of that much over the years. Um, it's changed a little bit, but I think for the most part in religious circles and in family circles and in geographical areas, we're probably the only three responses to how do we meet together. Uh, whereas today there are so many opportunities for people to get their fix of friends or family that it's really it's so different today in how people meet. So when we get an answer to that question or even, as I said, a more fuller understanding of the question, then we might be able to react a little bit better. Oh, that's a really good question to ask ourselves because, you know, I know there's tons of online churches that happen and so people can sit and, you know, at their computer if they don't want to leave their house. There's one way to meet in the community. People can go, uh, meet in coffee shops. People can meet in churches. There's so many different ways to be community and look like community. That's, 
That's kind of a tough one, actually. I find that I find a little bit of anxiety sometimes when I think about that, to tell you yeah. the truth. Yeah. So okay. then, uh, it is okay because, <laughs> you know, that gives me a chance to grow and figure out how I want this to look. So Ben, this has just been really exciting to hear. I'm really appreciate your passion and enthusiasm. Is there something that you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask about, about this new strategic plan? Um, I think probably the last point would be from where we stand in Australia, the church is complicated and society is complicated. And we so often overcomplicated even further because I don't know why. Maybe we just want to feel important or something. I'm not sure. But the basis of our discipleship and our journey as Christians doesn't need to be complicated. It really is quite simple. And when you think about the message that Jesus taught disciples and communities, um, you know, two and a bit thousand years ago, it all boils down to just being who we are not being afraid to express ourselves and then challenging the culture around us to make sure that we are living as one together and making sure that people are upheld rather than oppressed. And from my perspective, when I see things around the world, particularly what's happening in the US at the moment and other places, I can see it from afar and and Australia is not much better. But um, the reality is one of the things that we're talking about more regularly at the moment is... um, how churches need to stay out of politics and those sorts of things Um, and how you can't at a dinner table three things you don't talk about are sport religion and politics well as far as I'm concerned you can't separate them Um, religion is politics Jesus you know we're coming um, to this point in the Christian calendar I don't know when this is going to be published but um, where it's Easter time and and when we really boil things down Jesus was executed because he was a political threat. And when it comes down to if we want to be like Jesus, if that's really our mission, um, then we need to push to the point where our government are afraid. Um, Let's not break any laws, but let's make sure that we are living our message, which is to call out oppression and, and make good of what we're doing in the world. And, and that's a dangerous message at the moment, um, but I think we can't ignore it. Amen. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And living in the US, it is uh, definitely something that is on my mind all the time. Yeah. So th- thank you so much, Ben, for you know being willing to step out and, and to try something new, you know, and I'm really excited to hear where this is going to go. And maybe we can have you back on in a, a year or two and see how things are going with the strategic For sure. Plan. Yeah. More than happy to chat at any time. To, and if anybody wants to touch base with me, just, um, just Carla, I'm sure will be able to provide my details and happy to chat to anybody about the process or um, help in any way. That is exciting. Well, thank you again, Ben, for stopping on your way from Sydney to Melbourne. You're welcome. Having a little chat. And listeners, if you have um, mission stories you want to share, or if you want to discuss about what your area is doing in mission, uh, feel free to write to projectsionpodcast.org and uh, let us know. And you could maybe even you could be on What's Brewing. Great job, Ben. You're awesome. Awesome. Good fun. Thanks for listening to Project Zion Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast streaming service you use, 
And while you are there, give us a five-star rating. Project Zion Podcast is sponsored by Latter-day Seeker Ministries of Community of Christ. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Latter-day Seeker Ministries or Community of Christ. The music has been graciously provided by Dave Hines. 